How's everyone doing? Good? Good. Yeah, hanging in? <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I know that uh, when we got back this week, we were actually at a uh, district pastors and spouse retreat in Naples this week. And uh, so that was interesting. And we, yeah, in Naples. And uh, so even though the hotel was inland, we decided to leave a day early and, and we were debating what to do. And then we headed towards some friends that lived in Lake Placid. And that's pretty much where that ended up being Cat 3, you know. So it, it was kind of like a journey back home this week. Um, and then we get back here and, and so so happy and grateful, thankful for um, everyone's safety here. And, uh, it, you know, getting back home and then getting the sermon that was prepared for today, I got to be honest, uh, it's been a little bit tough <laughs> in preparation um, over the past couple days just because I'm like, God, I... I don't know if you still want to say the exact same thing. I, I want, as always, for the Holy Spirit to move. Whatever you want to say today, you know, help me to be in tune with you. Um, and so if I'm a little bit, if I stick with the message, that's what the Lord wants for us this morning. I got to believe it because I've been praying that way. If I go off script, so to speak, um, that's why. So <laughs> so just hang in with me. Um, but today we are endeavoring to begin in a new series called Dangerous Prayers. And I guess that's part of why I was like, is this where you want us to go, God? Danger? <laughs> really? <laughs> After this week, is this really where you want us to go? And, and, and I do believe yes. I do believe yes. Um, but man, reading that word, you're kind of like, oh, right now, kind of, I'm not sure. But there's such good stuff in the message for today and good stuff in the series that we all need to be reminded of and be challenged to do. And um, it definitely applies. So I'm excited to share God's word with you today and to share in this new series called Dangerous Prayers. And I would invite you, if you have your Bible, to get out your Bible at the same where there's paper, digital, the one in the seat in front of you. If you're watching online, get it out, raise it up in the air. Say, I've got my Bible, PK. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm so glad that you do, and um, I hope that you cherish God's word in your life. Um, I would invite you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17 this morning. We're going to jump around a little bit, but we're going to start there in just a few moments. I'm um, going to start off by asking a question today. Um, does anyone here ever struggle, sometimes struggle in their prayer life? Okay. Um, I think a lot of us probably do at times. Um, maybe you feel, may, maybe there's different scenarios like this could apply to. Maybe you feel like you're, you sometimes get in a prayer rut and you feel like you're praying the same thing over and over and over and over again. And you kind of go, is this meaning anything? Is this getting through to you, God? Is this, I don't see anything moving, happening, and you just feel like you're on auto repeat. <laughs> Maybe you question if your prayers actually mean anything to God, if he's even concerned with them, or maybe you have a hard time really meaning, truly meaning what you pray. Maybe you feel obligated, like it is your Christian duty. This is something that I am supposed to do. I'm supposed to wake up. I'm supposed to get my cup of coffee. I'm supposed to pray for 10 minutes. And I'm supposed to do my devotionals for, you know, and you feel like it's just this task and you just don't feel that connection to God. 
Or, or maybe you do the right thing and you get with God and you start praying and something happens like at the end of the day, you're tired. You've been up with your kids. You've been running here, running there. And all of a sudden you're praying and you what? You fall asleep. <laughs> Yikes, I've been there. <laughs> uh, or maybe, maybe you get distracted. Maybe you start praying and you overhear something or somebody walks in the room or something happens and you get distra distracted and frustrated. Um, you, you, you get interrupted. Maybe you find what you pray, your prayer life is just kind of boring and mundane. Maybe you just don't know what to pray, and you struggle to figure out what to pray for. Or maybe you kind of look at prayer time as this time where you enter the land of Disney. At one point in my life, I entered the land of Disney with my prayers. I, I thought that approaching God was kind of like approaching Aladdin and his lamp and kind of going, hey, God, you know, let me tell you about me. This is what's going on in my life. This is what's happening. And hey, here's my three wishes for today. I like a nice house. I like this. I like safety. I like comfort. I like a storm never to come again. I'd like to have, you know, whatever these things are, you kind of have this approach to God like he is this magical genie that's going to grant you your every wish and desire. Or maybe you see him as a gentle grandfather figure in your life and you go to him and you just want that comfort and you go to him and you're kind of maybe like that spoiled grandchild that goes, hey, I really want this and this and this and you're just waiting. Okay, grandpa, give it to me. I know you want to spoil me. I've been there before, probably in just about every one of those areas. At some point or another in my life, I've experienced those things. But as you know, God isn't a fairy, fairy tale. <laughs> He's very real. He's very much present. He isn't a generous grandfather that waits eagerly to grant our every wish and, and desire. He definitely is not boring, but he is absolutely listening. So what we pray, what we talk to God about matters. It matters. And so that's why we are going to dive into a new message series called Dangerous Prayers. Because talking to God is a privilege that we often take for granted. But why dangerous prayers? You know, I, I, I know I'm not alone. I often in my life try to, do avo try to avoid dangerous situations, things that I'm afraid of, things that fear might creep in. Like, so why would I dive into praying dangerous prayers? Isn't God loving? Like, that's what we've heard. Isn't he loving? Isn't he the good grandfather? Isn't he those things? And I would say, yeah. But our prayers need to be dangerous. And so we are asking the question and answering it hopefully today of why should our prayers be dangerous? And as you see on your bulletin, it's not, there's not a million points today, but there's this one here. God is not safe, but he is good. We should pray dangerous prayers because God is not safe, but he is good. How can this be so? How can God be dangerous but good. Let me give you an example from um, popular culture, the book uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. Everyone's sort of familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia. Okay, there's a character in it who's a lion. Do you know his name? Aslan, yes. Yes, good job, A+. This is a character that is 
not safe, but good. And I'll read an excerpt from it where, where the kids are talking with the beavers, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And Mr. Beaver's talking about Aslan. And Mr. Beaver says, wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. You'll understand when you see him. But shall we see him? Asked Susan. Why, daughter of Eve, that's why I brought you here for. I'm to lead you to where you shall meet him, said Mr. Beaver. Is, is he a man? Asked Lucy. Aslan a man? Said Mr. St beaver sternly certainly not i tell you he is a king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea don't you know who is the king of beasts aslan is a lion the lion the great lion Ooh, said susan i thought he was a man is he quite safe i shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion that you will dearie and no mistake said mrs beaver if there's anyone who can appear before aslan without their knees knocking they're either braver than most or else just silly then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. See, Aslan's this fictional character, but there are some similarities to the very real and living God that we serve. A lot of times we approach God like he's his grandfather that's going to just give us every single wish and try and comfort us and bring us peace. But in reality, he, he is dangerous. He, he isn't safe, but he is good. He is our king. He is our creator. He is not boring. He is not ignorant to our desires. He's not ignorant to our need and our felt need and our, and our wanting to feel secure and comforted. But he's not, he's not ignorant to those. He's, he's not safe, but he is good. And in prayer, we get the opportunity to talk to God. We get to talk to God. That is just mind-blowing. He is a just God. He is a loving God. And we get the opportunity to approach his throne. And it's when we realize this that we know that our prayers are not just supposed to be about us and our comfort and our safety. Our prayers are not meant to be boring or demanding or give God ultimatums. Our prayers are not something that we no longer just have to do because this is what I'm supposed to do. Prayer is something that we get to do. Prayer is something that we do. When we approach the throne and talk to God, it's truly about connecting with the God of the universe and carrying out the will of the one who created us in his image to carry out the purposes that he has for us in our life. And sometimes those are not comfortable. Those are not comfortable. <laughs> those can be scary. Those can be dangerous. Those can be like a storm coming through. And now what, God? What do you, how are you going to use me in this? When we realize that it's not about what we want and instead about what he wants, we begin to pray a little bit more differently in our lives, a little bit more humbly, and dare I say, even dangerously. Our prayers are dangerous because we serve a dangerous God. Now, God is dangerous because he may call us or lead us into things, into situations, or into doing things that we might see as a risk that we might be scared to do, that might make us feel uncomfortable. And he is good, and he will provide. If he calls us to those things, he will provide for just what we need. Every moment, every minute, 
every day that he leads us to those because he is a good God. But he might lead us into risky situations. He might lead us into dangerous and scary situations. But his first concern is not our safety, which is kind of scary to hear. God's first concern is not our comfort or safety. And we desire that. We desire comfort. We desire safety. We don't like hearing those words. But there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger plan. There's a bigger purpose and calling in our lives. And we have to be willing to do whatever God may lead us into in order for his kingdom to expand and to grow and for our faith to grow in him. Because, <laughs> you know, these me-focused circles that we pray in sometimes does not reflect a great faith in a big God, in a dangerous God. And he wants us to have a greater faith in a God that can move mountains, that can, that can make huge differences, that can do the unimaginable in our life. And it, but instead of approaching God like he's a lion, we approach him in this genie kind of sense. And while he cares for and loves about us, he's actually waiting for us to humble ourselves in a position of praying dangerous prayers, of listening to his voice in our life that desires to transform us, to call and equip us. There are many things that God might ask you to do. God might ask you to help those that are dealing with addictions that you once had. Maybe you might be called to, maybe you've gone through a devastating loss in your life, and, and he might help you heal, and then he might say, hey, maybe you need to help someone else that's going through a loss. And that might feel uncomfortable. You may not want to revisit that time in your life, but he would help you through those times. He might call you to sell your, your comfy suburban home and move across the world to serve as a missionary. He might tell you to abandon your job that provides for all of your needs and instead get involved in the ministry or like give the money to something else or, or whatever it is. But to leave money behind, to leave your house behind, to leave the comforts behind for a greater purpose, something that he might call you to do. God may call you to work with people that you might not naturally think you're going to work with. Um, that might seem a little bit scary. Maybe God calls you to work with, um, maybe you've never been around many homeless people. Maybe he calls you there. Or maybe he calls you to work with people in prison. Or maybe he calls you to work with children. Children are scary to some people, right? <laughs> they can't be, right? They can. And, but he may call you outside of your comfort zone to work with people that you may not naturally work with. <laughs> he may call you to build a relationship with somebody new. God has a mission for you, and it's not always warm and fuzzy and comfortable, but rather seemingly dangerous to us. Sometimes things happen in our lives, and he calls us to step into that and to do something for his sake and for his purposes. And we don't always understand, but he will help us through them. Let's take an example in God's word um, this morning of who prayed dangerous prayers. Let's talk about David, the shepherd boy David. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we have to set the scene a little bit here. So David is going down to the battle lines where the Israelites are facing the Philistines, and he's bringing them lunch. He's bringing them grub. He's not fighting. He's just 
being a deliverer of the goods. And he comes by and he sees the Philistine army, he sees the Israeli army that's there with King Saul and there's a battle line that's drawn and the Philistines are kind of making these threats and they send out this behemoth of a man, Goliath, the giant. And he comes out there and he taunts them and he defies the living God, the God of Israel, every single day saying, hey, I'm challenging you to a duel, right? I'm challenging you. And if you win, we will become your slaves. And if, and if we win, vice versa, we'll, you'll become ours. And, and I need a challenger. And every day, David witnesses this when he brings the lunch, the Israelites cower and they retreat and they're terrified. God's people are terrified. And this boggles David's mind. He says, listen, you have God on your side. This is a dangerous situation, but hey, God is a dangerous God and we are God's people and we can have the victory here. And so he kind of talks and he talks around and he, he talks to the different people and they kind of get annoyed at David. Why is he, does he think he can take this giant on? What's going on? And word gets to King Saul and King Saul sends for David and is kind of wondering what's up with this. And he kind of, he's like, well, I want to go fight David. And King Saul's like, no, 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 you're just a boy. But this is where we pick up. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with the shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked him over and and saw that he was little more than a boy glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He was annoyed. He hated David instantly. And he said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Whoa. Now, I'm going to pause here. I don't know about you. But if I'm a little shepherd boy and I'm facing a giant with his spear and and the shield bearer and he's saying these words to me, I'm going, you know, you're right. I'll see you later. And I would go with my tail running between my legs and I would skedaddle out of there, right? I'm not going to go through with this. I have five stones and here's this big giant man. But David is a man of dangerous prayers. David knows what God has done before in dangerous situations for him. He knows that God is on his side. Listen to his response. I love it. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel from whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. 
kind of snarky a little bit. Um, this very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Whoo! I love it. The boldness. Looking it straight in the eye, David says that. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Well, we're all pretty familiar with what happens. As the Philistine, as Goliath moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. And reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead, the very first stone. And that stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground, dead. Wow. The power of dangerous prayers. See, God is not safe. He is good. And, and David, he knew that. And in spite of his size and status of just being a shepherd boy, he trusted in God, the God of Israel. And he submitted his will to God's, knowing that he could potentially die. He didn't go running with his tail between his legs. He faced the danger because he believed that God had called him to that moment to do so. He had faith in God's goodness and power to overcome the enemy, and he succeeded in the task. God is not safe, but he is good. And by committing our will to the Lord and allowing him to call us to dangerous things for the kingdom, we too can grow and have an impact for Jesus. Now, I don't know what Goliaths are in your life. I don't know what dangerous situations are in your life, but we can face them with God's help because God is on our side. And when I realized this in my life, my prayer life started to change. When I realized that if I could just lay down my way, lay down my will and commit to the Lord's so that he might lead me into some dangerous territory. He might lead me to some Goliath, not for my danger, not to hurt me, but for his glory and to use me. I started praying differently, kind of going, God, I'm willing to go on missions trips. And, and you know, I'd really like to go to Australia and go to the Outback. And that would be really, really fun to see some kangaroos and, oh, you know. But he led me to Africa where I was actually kind of scared to go there and but he made it super clear I said okay God not my will but yours I thought I couldn't survive life without getting married without a spouse and for years oh God I need me a man I just need I can't survive without a man in my life and Lord bring me a man over and over and over again and I but I kept saying God I'm just incomplete you know I need a man. I need to graduate with an MRS degree. And it's scary to be without a husband. I just, you know, I was, I don't know. But then it wasn't until I realized, oh, God, whatever you want in my life, if you want me to be single and serve you, I am a complete person with a complete calling from you. And I'll enter into that. And so I committed my way to the Lord. And he worked out things in the end, as you know. Um, if you don't know, that's my husband right there, uh, Pastor John. <laughs> And, and so, but I truly, I, I started praying differently. I said, God, whatever it means, whatever it means to follow you, I'm willing. I started to pray, oh, you know, God, I want to do whatever you want in my life. And I graduated with a business degree and I was kind of did all sorts of different jobs and different industries. And, and I started praying that way. And I was just like, this isn't it. This isn't it. What, God, what, God, what do you want for me? And, and the first time you spoke to me about it, I kind of was like, oh, no, nah, I'm good vocational ministry. Uh, I, I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm doing my thing and there's fruit from being a pastor's wife and that's good enough. So then, you know, he waited until I had a newborn and some medical things going on to say, hey, by the way, I haven't, I haven't let you go from this. <laughs> you, you need to be a pastor. And I went, oh, 
okay, well, I have a newborn, and I have this and this. And he's like, yeah, and I'll get you through it. And I said, well, that's kind of scary. I, I don't know. I don't want to go back to school. And he said, well, you're going. And I said, okay. <laughs> and, and he made the seemingly impossible possible in my life. And I've seen it over and over again. And personally, I don't ever want to be focused on praying safe prayers. I don't want to be in dangerous situations. I don't want to be in scary situations. I don't want to be in comfortable situations. But yet I kind of do. Because I know now looking back and, and different things in my life, when I pray that way and I see and look back at what God has done in those situations, how I have grown, how he's enabled and equipped me to help others that I may not have been able to help otherwise, I know that it's the best thing for my life to go into risky situations, dangerous situations, however the Lord leads me, because we grow, and there's kingdom value, and God's kingdom grows, and God gets more and more glory when we do whatever, we, whatever he wants for us. We don't know the exact plans that he has for us, but he is good, and his grace will not lead you where he cannot keep, sustain, provide, and strengthen you in order to accomplish his purposes for your life. We need to trust in the Lord no matter where he leaves. Psalms 37, 3 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn and your vindication like the noonday sun. See, we need to commit our way to the Lord. There are risks in this life. There's danger in this life. But he has a calling. He has a purpose. He has his kingdom to build here, and he wants to use us. He needs to use us. Where is his plan A, B, C? <laughs> For his kingdom. And when we do this, we have a righteous reward. We have an eternal reward. We do have the promise of a place that he's prepared for us, for those who love him. And we have that in our someday when he calls us home. But for now, whatever he wants, whatever he leads us to, we need to commit to his way. The challenge that we have for this week is, and always, is to commit our way to the Lord. To commit your way to the Lord. How do we do this? How can we truly begin committing our way to the Lord? How do we change from kind of approaching him in this genie-like fashion or in maybe a more mundane fashion to praying these dangerous prayers and committing our way to the Lord? Well, we can start by praying this dangerous prayer found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. You know it as the Lord's Prayer. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will come be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We commit our way to the Lord. We pray this prayer not because we have it memorized, but we realize that when we pray this prayer, we are laying down our way for God's way. We are laying down our kingdom, our desires, our wants, our comforts for his kingdom, his desires, his will, his way for our life. And that might not seem safe, but he knows if you notice in there, we're asking for the daily bread. We're asking for his forgiveness. He will forgive us. He will provide for us in those things. Those are his promises. That's where he is good. 
Jesus had to pray this way too. He had to commit his way to the Father. In Matthew 26, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. After he has met with his disciples and they have dined, they have communed together, and he goes there with a few of his disciples, and he is in anguish. He knows what's to come. He knows he's about to be arrested. He knows he's about to go through extreme torment and be hung on that cross and die an excruciating death. Now, Jesus is the Son of God. He is God, but he was also human. And he had human emotions, and he had human struggles, and he was facing a dangerous situation, a scary situation, an uncomfortable situation. He knew what was coming, and he was in anguish that evening. He was scared. And he went off by himself and he prayed. And he said, God, Dad, can you take this cup from me? I really don't want to experience this. I really don't want to go and be tortured and to experience the physical pain that I'm about to endure. I really, God, could you take this cup from me? But immediately after that, he said, but not my will, but yours. Not my will, not what I want. He didn't want to go through that, but he knew the purpose. He knew that he had to go through the fire. He knew he had to go through that dangerous situation for us, for me, for people who have gone before and for people who will be coming. He went through that pain. He endured that because he knew the kingdom impact. He knew the purpose. He knew it was the only way that he could be the bridge for us to have a restored relationship with God the Father. And so he said, not my will, but yours, God. Our lives would be so much different if Jesus had not prayed this prayer or had decided to say, nah, my way. <laughs> I don't want to go through this. He knew that the impossible would become possible if he went through the pain and torture of dying on the cross. Now, no one knows the plans that God has for each of us. Each of us has a different purpose and callings from year to year, day to day. But I have to believe that they are good because God's promises are true. He's faithful and they are everlasting for us. As we close this morning, I want to invite you to close your eyes right now. And imagine yourself, not in front of a genie or a gentle grandfather, but in front of the Lion of Judah. Majestic, powerful, dangerous, yet good. It's a humbling position. And I'm asking us this morning if, if we're willing to put ourselves in that position of opening yourself more up and more in prayer and getting intimate and personal with this dangerous God that might call you into situations that might make you uncomfortable because he desires to wreck you in the best way possible. He wants to change you. He wants to move you to action and make you dangerous for the kingdom. And this may require sacrifice, change, physical action. And I think we need to ask, are, are we ready? Are we ready for whatever God asks and calls us to do? Imagine if we did that, if we surrendered our ways and committed our way to the Lord this morning, what would happen? I think God would use us to change the world. I think that kingdom builders would come out of that position of humbleness, not for our sake, but for his. By putting ourselves in that position 
to pray dangerously, realizing that God may call us to uncomfortable things in our lives, we will begin and will experience a deeper level of understanding of the goodness of God and have a deeper connection and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives and experience the freedom that exists in letting God, letting go and letting God take control. With your eyes closed, I just take a moment just to be silent before the Lord and just kind of begin letting go of your way and saying, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you want me to walk into, God, I receive it this morning. No matter what the cost, no matter what the sacrifice, God, I believe in your strength and your power will see me through whatever you bring me to. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here with us this morning, that your Holy Spirit's presence has been with us. God, we thank you that you choose to use us. God, it is mind-blowing that we even can approach your throne and be able to talk with you, to be able to commune with you, to be able to carry out your will and your purpose for us. Each one of us has a purpose. God, may we be receptive to it. May we be brave. May you give us the courage and the strength to face whatever you have for us, whatever you're calling us to. May we be willing to pray dangerous prayers and truly mean them. Because, God, I know what comes out of it. I know that in tremendous growth in our faith with you comes out of it. I know that your kingdom is built because of it. God, we want to see your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. We love you. We, we know that there are people out there that need to know you. And so whatever you need to do to shake us, to get us to move, I pray that you would do it today starting today, and that we would commit to it, and we would stick with it, and we would encourage each other along the way as we live out your purpose for us. God, we love you. We thank you for your promises that you have gone, and you, have, you are preparing a place for us, that all things work for good for those who love you, God. But help us to remember to come before you, the Lion of Judah, in a humble state, willing to commit our way to yours, Lord. God, I pray that you would be with us as we go about our week this week. I pray that you would help us be aware of your presence in every moment and that we would be in tune with your Holy Spirit to do and go as you lead every step of the way. And it's in your name I pray, amen. We would like to remind you that um, we are collecting tithes and offerings as you leave this morning at the plates at the exit doors. You can also give online at oakridgewc.com give. And again, we're collecting for hurricane disaster relief. Make sure to clearly mark that. And we want to invite you back next week and over the next few weeks as we learn how to pray dangerously, some specific prayers that are maybe dangerous and that will open up new opportunities for personal and kingdom growth. Invite a friend to join you, share the videos online with a friend, and God bless you. Have a wonderful week and go in peace.